Indeed, grace will prevail. We are having a summer sermon series on the means of grace, and today is on prayer as one of those wonderful means of grace. And our passage that we'll be looking at from God's Word is Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. And I'll ask you to please stand for the reading of God's Holy Word. Holy Spirit, open our eyes that we might see wonderful truth out of your word this morning. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to to the will of God. Heavenly Father, sanctify us in your truth. We know and deep in our hearts that your word is truth. In Jesus Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Pam and I, that is my wife, are college sweethearts, and we met at Northwestern College, which is a college in St. Paul, Minnesota, and they had a light-in-the-night ministry uh, in their radio ministry. And so we volunteered to be up all night to have people call in who were struggling with various questions, and the number one question we got, time in and time out, was on prayer. People who love the Lord Jesus Christ still struggle so much with their prayer life. And so when I got the opportunity to preach on this as a means of grace, I I, I quickly accepted because I know how many questions that people have. Uh, When I look at the means of grace, the way I describe it, as you know, grace is infinite. So if you think of grace being in a well... uh, That well is infinite, filled with God's grace for us. But the means of grace is a way, it's simply a way to access and receive that grace for your life, to have even more of that grace. So prayer is a way that you can go deep down into that well of God's grace and pull that grace up, drink that living water, pour it on your head, and be refreshed in the Lord. But what's wonderful about prayer, it's a double means of grace, meaning it's a double blessing because I can not only enjoy the grace myself, but by interceding for other people and praying for other people, I can ask God to shed His grace upon them and to do great things and wonderful things in their lives. So in that way, it's a means of grace as well for me to open up the beauties of the treasures of Jesus Christ to others to ask that God would move in someone's heart to save them, or to ask that God would comfort someone who was going through a great struggle. It's a means by which we can access the grace of God uh, even for others. When I think of somebody who practiced this means of grace very well, it would be my grandmother. And I have no idea uh, what you think heaven's going to be like, but I'm going to tell you my version of it. It'll be wrong, but it's my version of it. I think I'm going to get to go to heaven and see my grandmother, and we're going to get to watch Billy Graham reruns. Because 
in Amarillo, Texas, every summer I would go there and we would watch Billy Graham when he came on. And after that, we would talk for so long about the Lord. And I can't wait to see my grandmother again. But it's been 40 years since she's died and gone to be with the Lord. And I still see her face. I still am so excited to be her grandson, partly because she was a prayer. She loved to pray for her kids and her grandkids, for her neighbors, for her church members, for the community, for the lost. She was a prayer, and she just loved that. And so there's a quote that reminds me of my grandmother when it comes to prayer and how it is a means of grace. It says that we, you, will outlive your prayers. And what a legacy we can leave to our children and our grandchildren, to our neighbors, to our community, to the world when we pray. Because it is truly a means of grace that doesn't just happen in the moment, but God can answer those prayers at any time by His sovereign will, and He so often does. In this passage this morning, I wanted to share with you how this passage uh, ignited my, my prayer life. How when I got into my mind what this passage was saying and into my heart, how it helped me so much in terms of being a catalyst for prayer to the Lord in my own life. The first thing is it teaches us a doctrine. It teaches us a doctrine in verse 26 that prayer is empowered by the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that. And once that sinks in deeply into your soul, it is truly a game changer. But also, he, Paul could have stopped there, but the blessings of God as he continues on in verse 27 and applies now for us what it means that the Holy Spirit empowers our prayers, or our prayers are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And there's two ways that we can apply it from this passage in verse 27. The first one is prayer is effective spiritual warfare, which is another reason why it is so important to the Christian life. And the second application that we can make is that scriptural journaling or prayer is in is enhanced by scriptural journaling, and I'll explain what I'm talking about in a moment, uh, what that is. But let's face it, many of us uh, get very dry in our prayer time. We, we, we get sluggish, and scriptural journaling is a way to enhance our prayer time so that it helps us get, get on track to get into that uh, strength of the Spirit, uh, and to help us to con continue to build up that muscle of faith uh, in prayer. So let, look, let's look at the first one, which is uh, prayer is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And let's look at verse 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us. What's the likewise referring to? Well, it's like two things that are in the passage. That is, the world groans even now. And we Christians, even though we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, who has us cry, Abba, Father, even we, with that great blessing, still groan. We still struggle. And what it's saying is, likewise, the Spirit also groans. He groans with us in His intercessory prayer for us. So that's what the likewise is referring to. And what it says, likewise, the Spirit helps us. 
The understanding of the Spirit, obviously, is the Spirit is the third person of the Holy Trinity. In the Christian church, we believe that God, our Lord, our God, is one God. There is only one God. But mystery of mysteries and majesty of majesties, in the one God, there are three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You just saw it beautifully played out in the sacrament of baptism here in just, just a few moments ago. And so we are baptized into one name, but the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the way we generally explain the Holy Trinity is that God the Father planned your salvation. His heart was for you, and He wanted to plan our redemption. And He sent His one and only Son, God the Son, Jesus Christ, to be incarnate, to be a human, so that He might, by the way of the incarnation, die on the cross for our sins, so that our penalty that we owed would be paid by God's own dear Son. And so He achieved our salvation. And then God the Holy Spirit applies the salvation. He's the agent of salvation. He applies that salvation to our heart to, our heart to change our hearts so that we might be new creations. And that is a really wonderful way of understanding the Holy Spirit. But it says here, uh, the, the Holy Trinity, but it says here, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. And that little word helps is a very picturesque term. Uh, A.T. Robertson, who is one of the great Greek scholars, says that Paul is going out of his way here with a double compound to paint a picture of what the help of the Holy Spirit is to us in prayer. And so the picture behind this word is, imagine you're going on a journey and you have a load on your shoulders that is too heavy, and you are buckling under that load. Well, the first picture is that the Holy Spirit comes to you, He indwells you, and He becomes your friend. He is with you. He is with you. And so he is like that friend who is encouraging you as you're carrying that heavy load. That's the first picture of his help. But the second picture of his help is the Holy Spirit adds his shoulders to the load. He helps you carry that load so you don't have to carry it alone. He gives you the almighty power of God to help you with whatever you are dealing with. And so you see this beautiful picture of the aid of the Holy Spirit coming to us and helping us. And then it goes on to say, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I love the fact that it just is very blunt about who we are. It doesn't say weaknesses, plural, like, you know, you got some strengths and you got some weaknesses. No, when it comes to prayer, you're just flat weak. You are weakness in and through. And so instead of beating yourself up over the fact that you're frail of frame, it's better to just lean into that and acknowledge without Christ, without the Holy Spirit, without God's help, I am weak in prayer. And lean into that and allow the grace of God to give you the strength by the power of the Holy Spirit uh, to pray. Prayer is offering our desires by the power of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, to the throne of God the Father. And so the Spirit helps us do that. Now, in this passage, it tells us what is missing. 
It says, we do not know what to pray for, as we ought. And so often we are in prayer, we don't know the future, we're confused, we don't know what to pray. And this passage acknowledges that. It also says that we ought to know how to pray because, of course, Jesus taught us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer. So we should know how to pray, but so often we don't. And notice the Bible's response. It is not to chastise us for the frailness of our frame or the fact that we're not as knowledgeable as we think we should be, but is to offer us the pure help By the Holy Spirit Himself. It says, but the Spirit Himself, not an angel, not anyone else, but God, the Holy Spirit Himself, intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. It's as though our groanings are being cried out to God, and the Holy Spirit comes alongside us, picks up those groanings with us, and He groans His own groanings that are so beautiful, so incredible, that they cannot even be translated. This is not talking about tongues because in Romans, it has 16 chapters that never mentions the speaking in tongues. This is talking about the Holy Spirit's heavenly, wonderful language that He is praying to God the Father through the Son on our behalf. The way I put it is, you know, our prayers are probably pretty flat if we're just honest about it. You know, if I come to you and I say, hey, do you want to come with me to go get a coffee? You'd probably say, yeah, okay. Thanks for the enthusiasm. Appreciate it. (laughs) But if you go to my grandson who knows how to say yes, he has a little pizzazz in how he says yes. If I go to my grandson who's two and a half and I say, Lucas, you want to go with grandma and grandpa out to the playground to play, he's going to say, yeah, oh yeah. He's just going to march around the house going, yeah, oh yeah. And when we say the amen, I mean, it's pretty flat. Everybody says amen. The Holy Spirit picks up our amen and he says, yeah, oh yeah to God. Because the Holy Spirit is going to charge that with so much more elegance so that it reaches the heart of God exactly how we are wanting our prayers to reach his heart through the one and only intercessor for us, the mediator between God and man, that is Christ Jesus the Lord, who always lives to make intercessions for us. So let me try to state this doctrine in the clearest way that I can. Normally when we think about prayer, we think about the Holy, the Holy Trinity started with God the Father, God the Son, and maybe God uh, the Holy Spirit. But this passage has given us the insight to reverse the Trinity thinking in your mind for a minute. When you bow your knee, first remember that the Holy Spirit is coming alongside you. He's already in you, indwelling you. He is coming alongside you to hold up under you that burden that you have, and He is going to help you pray. He is going to help you articulate what you need to say to God the Father. And that prayer comes to Jesus Christ, the only mediator between God and man, the high priest, who not only takes the beautiful words of the Holy Spirit on your behalf, but He also eloquently says to the Father, and don't forget, 
that my precious shed blood was given for these, your dear saints. And so they are acceptable in your sight. They can come immediately into your throne room of grace because of what I've done for them. And it goes to the heart of God the Father, who this is what it says in Romans about God the Father. In verse 32, He who did not spare His own Son, in chapter 8, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? That is the heart of God towards us. If He will give us His beloved Son, He will give us all things. He is absolutely 100% on our side and for us. And as we pray in the power of the Holy Trinity, we are reminded again and again of that incredible grace and the strength that only the Holy Spirit can give us. But let's look at a couple of applications here. Uh, The first is is that prayer is an effective... um, spiritual warfare. It says here in this verse, verse 27, and he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Uh, Just quickly, one of the things that we heard over and over again in the light of the night is does Satan, uh, can he read my mind? People were concerned that Satan can read their minds. And the answer to that is, no, Satan cannot read your mind. He is not omniscient like the Lord is. In fact, the passage here tells you who can read your mind. That would be God Almighty. In fact, 1 Kings chapter 8 tells us only God can read your mind and your heart. That's incredible protection right there. Realizing the sanctity of your prayer life to God is safe. It's safe. And so... Just the Spirit, uh, just God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit knows. You don't have to worry about that. But the passage goes on to say, And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. A.T. Robertson says the other word that we have to look at here. to, to really understand this passage is the word for intercedes. You notice it was in verse 26 already, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. And now verse 27 is trying to define for us even more what it means for the Holy Spirit to intercede for the saints. And what it means is, the little word for is who pair in the Greek language, and I call it the secret service preposition. Because in, in Greek prepositions, they always had an uh, uh, image behind them, a, a picture. And it's, it's talking about someone who covers someone to protect them. Uh, like the Secret Service would jump in uh, between a, uh, an assassin and the president to, to take the bullet to save his life. The Holy Spirit in prayer gives us a covering. He gives us a protection, which is the, the strong power of having the Holy Spirit in your life and why it is so important in terms of the spiritual battle. There's a great quote that uh, comes from the Puritans that says that Satan trembles when the weakest saint gets on his or her knees. Satan trembles. Why is that? When even the weakest saint gets on his or her knees to pray. Because the power of the Holy Spirit comes alongside that dear saint 
and brings forth a power that puts the devil to flight. Uh, the Puritans also had another saying that has just really meant the world to me in terms of crystallizing why prayer is so important. They say, pray often, and then they give you three reasons <laughs> to pray often. It says, first off, prayer is a shield to your soul. It's a protection. And then he, they say, pray because it's a sacrifice unto the Lord. When, when, when we pray, it is a beautiful aroma unto the Lord by the power of the Spirit through the Son. And then finally it says, pray because it is a scourge to Satan. It drives him back. James 4, 7 says that we are to humble ourselves under God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. And no better way to humble ourselves than to bow our knee before God, to bow our head, to close our eyes and to ask God for his help. Uh, one of my heroes in my life uh, happened to be our first dog. He was a bearded collie. And he was, we lived in the mountains and he was an old mountain dog. But he, was, he lived about 15 and he was the best. And when, when Hannah was born, our youngest, this was the first time he had ever seen a baby. And this dog, I mean... If you can dance with joy in your dog, that's what he was doing. It's like, this is a baby. I've never seen anything like this. And he was so mesmerized by our little baby Hannah that as she grew up, he, she, he literally never left her side. If you see any pictures of Hannah as a baby, you'll always see Chipper right in, right in the, the distance, always watching, always making sure that she's okay. Uh, he, was, he, was a, he was a great uh, great dog. In fact, all the, um, the uh, guys who would come to, the, uh, to deliver mail and that sort of thing were all afraid of him because you come to our porch, he would just go berserko. He kind of had this attitude, you know, unless you stop and talk to the top dog, you don't get clearance to come on this property. I'm, I, I, need to, I need to clear you. And, uh, you know, he was kind of psycho because uh, when he saw his reflection in the, the uh, you know, the window, he'd go right after it. And, you know, for years we'd say, Chipper, that's you. He never, did, he never got that. He just went right after that reflection in the mirror. But he was just the best guard dog. He loved our family, and he guarded all of us so well. But on the last day of his life, he was in such pain. And, and uh, we called up the, the, the veterinarian, and his name is Rocky. I can't make that up, but it's a great, great name for a vet. And called up Rocky, and Rocky received um, uh, Chipper with, with tears because Chipper was such a good dog. But when I was getting him into the, our van to take him to the vet, I had to put him out on the lawn in the, uh, the warm sun so I could get the van together, uh, ready for him. And wouldn't you know it, uh, like the UPS guy decides to come in right then. And this dog, who was in such pain and was so weak, rallied in him. And everything in him got to stand up on his four legs. And he barked like he barked of old. And he let him know, 
you don't get to come on this property until you check in with the top dog. And then he collapsed in utter pain. And as I reflected on that day, I came up with a little prayer to the Lord. Lord, could I be half the character that Chipper was? Could I be half the character of, of our precious dog? Could I, at the end of my life, with the last breath I have, could I rise up and pray for my family, my neighbors, my friends, my church, my country, the world? Could I be like that precious, precious dog? And that is really what the Holy Spirit does for us every day. He is interceding for us. He is protecting us, covering for us in ways that we can't even think or imagine. He is so good to us. And then the third application is scriptural journaling is an effective, uh, is a way to enhance our prayers. It says, and he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. Wouldn't you like to know what is in the mind of the wonderful Holy Spirit, what, what He's thinking? But yet we do, and that's what scriptural journaling is. Scriptural journaling is scriptural prayer journaling. And what I'm referring to there is taking the prayers of Scripture, the actual prayers you find in the Bible, and writing them out as your prayer. And as you write them out, there is just a wonderful thing that happens particularly when you're in a dry spell and and it's hard to to say the words it helps you to put that all together for instance in a, in a moment of great pain it is always helpful it's always been encouraging to me to write out psalm 23 after all remember david david wrote psalm 23 he was writing that prayer the writing is important in the book of uh, 1 Peter, it says that we are a royal priesthood, which means we are a kingly priesthood. And if you go back to the king in Deuteronomy chapter 17, the king is given an instruction. He is told that before he ascends to the throne to write out the Torah in his own handwriting. There is something wonderful about writing the scriptures, particularly the prayers, in your own handwriting. And use your own name in there. Also... Um, if you're praying for someone else, use their name in there. Uh, writing out Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17 is simply amazing because you'll see things that you, you may have not seen before. And the three great prayers of Paul in, in uh, Ephesians, and then uh, Philippians, and then Colossians. I can't even begin to tell you the spiritual power the, the stirring up of my heart that those prayers have given to me in my prayer life. And what happens is, is when you're reading how the Holy Spirit actually has inspired someone to pray, what are you learning? How to pray. You're learning more and more into the great, the great calling for us to pray. Another way to do scriptural journaling is by recording the answers to your prayers, uh, particularly big providential answers to your prayers when, when you see 
that God has done something uh, really great and he has, he has heard your prayers. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 102 and we'll see this example of scriptural journaling. Starting in verse 16, 17, and 18. It says, For the Lord builds up Zion. He appears in His glory, in verse 16. He regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. But now notice verse 18. Let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Do you keep a prayer journal where you collect the wonderful answers to prayer? Every night for me, I collect out of my day, no matter what happens, nine blessings of the day. Because I found that if I go to bed angry, I get up angry. If I go to bed anxious, I wake up anxious. If I go to bed exhausted, I wake up exhausted. But if I go to bed seeing the hand of God in my life, answering prayers and giving blessings that are new every morning, it brings strength. It is a means of grace. And maybe some of you here don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and say, I would love to have that type of relationship with God where I could just go immediately to His throne of grace and to find help in my time of need. Well, here's what's so wonderful. All you have to do is pray. The Bible says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord and calls upon the name of the Lord is a description of prayer in Bible, will be saved. All you have to do is pray to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to lean into my sin and I'm going to lean into my weakness. I cannot save myself and I cannot, I cannot get clean from my sin. But I know you can. Because you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins. Lord, I call out to you now to save me and lead me as the Lord of my life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this, your word. And we ask that you would deeply encourage our hearts, minds, and souls with this means of grace. That we would pray more and more so that we might be strengthened more and more to do the things that you have called us to do and to rejoice in your presence both now and forevermore. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. I ask you to please stand for the Lord's benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.